Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Hi and welcome to this episode of the Loom Looms Podcast Show. My name is Mark and today we're speaking to Dudley about his battle with PTSD and mental health problems. We talk to him about how he's been reintroduced to a relationship with Father God and through a set of dreams how Father God is slowly helping him to walk through a healing process so he can live a more fulfilling and joyful life. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Loom Rooms. My name is Mark and I'm here today with another guest. We're with a guy from our church and he's been part of the Loom community group for the last six months. Welcome Dudley, how are you today? Hi, I'm doing great, yeah. So we just we wanted to have a chat with you today and just uh, as we get on to another episode of The Loom Rooms podcast, you've got an amazing story and we just thought it would be great for you to share your testimony a little bit and share what you've been up to where you've come from what God is doing in your life and the amazing things he's done in your life so just tell us a little bit about where you're from how you came to Bishop Stortford and uh, we'll go from there yeah sure um well I grew up in a small town called Ware in Hertfordshire I know it Left school at 16, okay. uh, sort of bounced around a couple of jobs, found a job to take me over Chelmsford Way because I wanted to get out of the area, so I moved over Chelmsford, I was there for a while, unfortunately we had that big old recession, Yep. lost everything, up to my eyeballs in debt. So this is 2008? A bit later, I, I, was, right. I was holding on for a while, right. desperately. Okay which only made the debt higher. Uh, ended up moving back way away, desperately trying to pay off all the debt that had built up, taking yeah. any job I could really at that point. Right. There wasn't exactly a lot available. Ended up going sort of well in way, trying to get into college. Um, and it was then around sort of 25, I had a, a full nervous breakdown. I got my PTSD wow. diagnosis and we'll come to that. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's been sort of a bit of a struggle since then, especially with getting sort of disability and getting it losing it regaining it so how do you know 33 33 so this started eight years ago mm-hmm. so where are we now so that was what 2015-16 is it 2015 yeah. and you had a full nervous breakdown because mm-hmm. of because of the st- stresses of of life and making ends meet basically and money financial problems that didn't help and definitely right exacerbated it okay but it was all childhood trauma based stuff from my childhood sure sorry to hear this you had a nervous breakdown but you had this nervous breakdown and then you said you discovered you had ptsd did you discover it then or was it something that you you knew you had before or tell us a little bit about that well it didn't sort of come on straight away at the time i was in college started randomly having spikes of anxiety a random panic attack out of nowhere and so i ended up seeing the therapist on staff at the college and while talking to her she was like okay like because it was around my parents divorce they just started a very ugly divorce right. okay. and so she was like well 
maybe it's stuff in your childhood. Tell me about it. Yeah. And so I said, well, I don't know. I said, well, well oh, was it good, bad? And I, I don't know. I have no memories before 12. Wow. And all the stuff after that is mostly just being at school. I didn't really have any home life memories. It was all right. blacked out. And she's like, mm, that's not a good yeah, sign. Yeah, no, that's not a good sign, no. Yeah. And so there were warning signs there. And eventually it all sort of spilled over and a lot of that repressed stuff came back up. The thing about repressed things is it doesn't get less painful. If anything, it festers and gets worse. So when you say repressed, this is pre-12-year-old memories? Yeah. So memories come up after. So mm. you started having some sort of therapy that it's revealed stuff from your childhood. Is that what you're saying? I think it was more the start of the parents' divorce because right. they were more interested in attacking each other, right. which obviously involved bringing things up. And I was the accident child that ruined their lives, Right. which okay. is something I had been hearing since I was quite little. Let's go back to the PTSD. I mean, my limited knowledge of PTSD... I mean, we've discussed this before. I, I always thought that PTSD was something that soldiers got. It was a, a wartime or post-war condition that people had, that had happened to people because of trauma. And it was just something that veterans got from war and it's clearly not. So can you tell us a little bit more about one, what PTSD is and to how it manifests itself because people are starting to talk about it a bit more so just just delve into that a little bit if you don't mind Dudley. Yeah sure I mean uh, for people that don't know PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder and it's kind of as the title says you go through trauma you struggle to process it after the fact and sure. there can be many types of trauma obviously going to war you see a lot of traumatic things Unfortunately, trauma exists outside of war as well. It can exist inside abusive homes and right. all sorts of places. So clinically, do you know much about what it is clinically? PTSD or you know, I know what, it, it, what it actually does to your, your mind? To your brain. Yeah, yeah. I, from what I understand, it's to do with neurons misfiring and things. And right. You sort of build up defense mechanisms and your brain becomes over-reliant on them. And and how so, How did that manifest in itself in your life? How, do, how did that affect your life on a day-to-day -day basis? Oh, it completely ruined my life. Right. Entirely. Absolutely entirely. My symptoms were extreme. Okay. To you... put it lightly. I not only had anxiety and depression, but I had crippling panic attacks a lot of people you know they hear anxiety they hear panic attack they think it's the same they're very different beasts anxiety is sort of worry yeah. whereas a panic attack feels more like you are dying in that yeah. moment it is extreme for my panic attacks it's not only that extreme distress unable to stop crying mm. shaking to the point that i physically can't stand hyperventilating vomiting Mm. I've even passed out in the past from the amount wow. of hyperventilating. And so it's really extreme distress. Right. I have some experience myself with anxiety. When I was 22 years old in the middle of university, I suddenly started getting extreme anxiety attacks from nowhere. I think it was drug-induced, if I'm perfectly honest with you. I, th I was taking a lot of recreational drugs at the time. I was taking a lot of speed, a lot of really dodgy marijuana and one day I just started getting really really anxious and for me I thought I was going to die 
And also as well, another thing that I experienced, which I thought was really, really bad, was that I thought I was going mad. Is that a common thing that you think you're going insane when you have an anxiety attack? That's not a symptom I've personally experienced, but not everyone experiences it the same way. Sure, sure. People's brains are wired differently, yeah. especially if it's trauma-based. Depending on how that trauma's been inflicted, what the trauma is, right, can change how it's going to come back up and the symptoms you're going to feel. I, I mean, again, it's it's over thirty years ago, but I recall having like dozens of attacks every day. It just was relentless. I'd have an I'd have an attack, then it'd subside a bit, but then it, it would leave me with the residue of worry that it was going to happen mm. again and then it'd happen again it was like a vicious a vicious cycle just yeah. this this wave after wave after wave after wave of anxiety like i said for me it was i thought i was going to go mad at times i thought i was going to die but it was more my sanity but obviously that was neurosis rather than psychosis but but what it i felt drained because it would ju- it was relentless into the early hours of the morning and maybe I'd get a couple of hours sleep and I'd wake up foreboding thinking this is going to happen again and this went on for a, a year and a half for me I mean how long did you suffer with this? Oh I'm still suffering with it today wow. I still have the wow. panic attacks and things Okay uh, The biggest symptom I have is something called hypervigilance What's that exactly? Which is sort of a like a cross between paranoia and anxiety so wow, it's that I would con- never ever think that you'd suffer from that. Constantly you? being, not necessarily afraid, but sort of worried. Yeah. So, for example, when I sleep, I have to have the door completely closed, because that idea of having it open terrifies me. Wow. And going out in public, you'll see that I look around quite a bit, because right. I'll feel it building and I feel it building, and it's just just check over there and just check over there. Yeah. You know, I tend to sit facing a door because I don't like not facing a door. So I get that building up building up and i'll have to turn and check and make sure yep the door's clear i'm fine i'm safe wow so is that like sort of a, an ocd sort of thing is it that you it's you not an o- oh. it's not an ocd thing no okay. it's to do with the fact that my trauma wasn't a single incident right it was hundreds of some big some little incidents yeah. you know i never felt safe in the house growing up because i wasn't so that one that thing itself that keeping the door shut is one manifestation of that yeah be right yeah it was a survival mechanism it was something i had to develop to survive but one of the other things that a lot of people tell me that you may or may have noticed is that i tend to be not just quiet but i can be in a group and then you turn around and i've disappeared and then you turn back around i'm on your other side people think that i'm like a little cat or something just in and out disappearing Right, because okay. I had to learn how to be quiet and disappear very quickly for my own safety. Yeah, it's I why I wear I my shoes out so quickly, because I walk entirely on the balls of my feet, because that keeps you nice and quiet. That is fascinating. And it's not things I'm intentionally doing. It was things that I developed to survive that I struggled to break. So well, let's go back to 2015-16, when you first started experiencing PTSD. You said that you you literally ceased to function practically. Is that Would that be right? 100%, yeah. I was completely non-functional. Not only the nightmares, panic attacks, anxiety during the day, depression. I just also couldn't do anything. I remember at one point I tried to 
cooked myself a pizza. Yeah. And somehow messed it up so much. Didn't even put a put it on the baking tray. So I opened the oven door. Yeah. And it all just melted through the grill and onto the floor of the oven. And then I just literally fell to my knees, broke down crying because I, I was struggling to even feed myself. My head it's was a such a mess. I just couldn't function. So from a cognitive point of view, processing simple tasks, you just, you struggled with that. Yeah. And were you couldn't. living on your own at that time? Or no, I wasn't. I was living with people at the time. Right, okay. So this went on for a couple of years, yeah. And then, you know, you you ended up in the, the YMCA in Bishop Stortford. Would that be yes. right? Yes, yes, yes. Right, okay. So how did you come to live in the YMCA? Uh, well, with all the uh, benefit situation, yeah. losing various benefits and things, couldn't support myself. Right. So I was looking at going to social housing. Yeah. And that was all a great faff. Because yeah. initially, they had me do all sorts of referrals and things, including the YMCA. Yeah. Initially, I was told to apply to the Bishop Stortford one, who initially told me, no, he's too old, because the age of him, it was 25 at the time, I was 26. Uh, right. okay. Yeah. They referred me to the Welling Garden City, where I'd also previously lived. Right. And they said, no, this is for Willen and Hats. He's East Hearts. We can't have him. Oh. So I was initially... Fell through the gap, sort of. Thing. Yeah, I right. initially fell completely through the gap. And it got to sort of the day of eviction. I had nowhere to go. I had two black bags full of clothes and a futon. And then I got a call on my phone. And it was Darren from Bishop Stortford YMCA. Right. Oh, we've just upped our age limit to 30. Wow. You've already got a completed form, so you're ahead of the queue. Do you want a place to live? Wow. The real 11th hour yeah. stuff just out of nowhere. So do you think that do you think that was God having his hand on you looking back? Do you think that was a God moment? I, I certainly think it was because right. it happened again. That's how I got my current flat. Wow. We'll, go, we'll move on to that in, in a bit. But so you're in the YMCA. How long are you in the YMCA for? I got there end of 2018. Right. And left what, spring 2021. So you went through COVID? Yep, and did all of the first COVID lockdown Yeah, in the shelter, all of the second one, and then I moved during that third lockdown, not a lockdown, whatever that was so supposed to be. how was that just, what was it like living in the YMCA during COVID? Obviously, you're with other people. I mean, how many people are in that YMCA? How many rooms, sorry? It's one of those things that, it's very strange, cause it's a very busy place, lots of people in right. and out. But when first lockdown was announced, a surprising amount of people all suddenly found places to go and live. So it was half empty. Oh, wow. That's surprising. You'd mm. think it would be busier, mm. but it wasn't. It was quieter. Yes. So did COVID-19, did that inc make you more anxious? Did it inc increase? Complete opposite. Oh, wow. I was one of the few people that kind of had a good time. Wow. Because everything was paused. I was still currently fighting for my benefits, yeah, but that was that all shut sense. off. That's I was fighting for housing. That was all shut off. All of the big stresses in my life disappeared overnight. And so for the first time in years, I was able to just get up, have a coffee. Well, we're allowed to go for a walk one walk a day. Yep, I'll go for a walk around the park and then I'll make myself some. It was the first time in years that I had felt, air quote, normal because all of this hoops I had been jumping through had all been put on pause. I sort of get that. I sort of understand how with life 
grind into a halt almost or slowing right down to a pace where, you know, because a lot of people obviously had furlough, bills didn't have to be paid, mm-hmm. wages was paid without going to work. But a lot of people, they were able to, you know, life did slow down. So that made life more manageable for you. Yeah, I mean, I was already at rock bottom. I was sure homeless with PTSD and no benefits. So there yeah. was no worry of, oh, what happened? I'm already in the worst case scenario. Right. So just having all those stresses paused, yeah, it was actually quite nice for me. And I feel bad saying that because so many people's lives got ruined yeah. by COVID and I just re- feel really guilty going, I had a good time. Yeah. You're in the YMCA. How did you find out about Bishop Stortford Community Church and subsequently, you know, you've, you've been coming along to Loom Community Group for six months. How did you come across our church? Well, the YMCA is a Christian organization, the Young Man's Christian Association. And so naturally they have a chaplain. Right. Um, The chaplain they had before the current one was an old Catholic priest who used to teach seminary. Right. And I've been studying all religions, especially Christianity, for many years. Right. And so I used to meet him once a week on a Monday. Oh, right, okay. And we would debate theology. Did it sort of reconnect you with God? No, at that point, I've we sort of jumped a, quite a bit ahead in the story there. Okay, okay let's go back. Because I'd always felt some connection to God. Right, to okay. me, it was always obvious, even as a child, you know, sky blue, grass green, God real. Oh, wow, okay, I'd always, that's excellent. At the time, I was fine with that. Looking back at it, it was a very passive connection. Right, I'm with you. you know, I didn't have jesus as a focus he was there yeah but in the same way we might think of as ezekiel or isaiah they're just a part of the whole thing there was no real focus on it okay i had accepted it and i got on with life and then as things went on obviously i had my breakdown yeah and i went through what i would describe as dark night of the soul right okay i know about that yeah famous spanish poem where you feel this completely disconnected yeah and i did i felt that sort of passive connection i'd always felt with god was gone and i felt like i'd been rejected by god or kicked oh, out or wow. something eventually so. yeah. realized that it wasn't that god had pushed me away it was as my the darkness in my life had come in i had fallen into it and i right. had stepped deeper into the darkness so how did you reconnect with god or, how, or sorry how did god reconnect with you he sent the angel Okay. Uh, St. Michael. This is interesting. Um, came to me once in a dream with a message. Wow, I didn't know any of this. Second this time, fascinating. Second time in a dream, came with a more direct message, which was, come home. Wow. And I instantly knew exactly what that meant, because I had lost that connection. That is amazing. It's so- why I wear this pendant for St. Michael. He's the one so that you, really came and so you had a, the so let's just recap then. So you had a dream, and Michael came to you in a dream. Yes, this is brilliant. And what did he say in the dream? The first dream was quite private and okay. covered a lot of stuff. No problem. We don't have to go into that. But um, it was very biblical in a sense, right? A lot of allegory, a bit like when you see like the prophets. Today. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad comparing myself to them, but it was all very sort of. Wow. Bizarre and then be like, but I relate to that, I understand that yeah. and 
and it was that second one where he came to me with that message of come home that, that that's what i completely understood it and that's what really helped me get through that dark night of the soul that was that god hadn't pushed me away yeah. i just become so lost in the darkness i had subconsciously pushed god away i was the problem i was severing yeah. the connection not him god was reaching out and i needed to find a way to reach back to him there is a viewpoint that a lot of christians have that god is constantly in encounter with us in connection with us oh, i completely agree as i mentioned that that sort of passive connection yeah. i feel that that is definitely there you know our souls have almost like a spiritual umbilical to god and even if we're not in an active communication yes i firmly believe that god is always wanting encounter with us and is always available for encounter it's just how we often are blockers to that connection i believe so mm. you found that connection again yeah it, w it wasn't instantaneous but the fact that through a dream he's reached out to you through it through one of his archangels is quite profound to be honest with you deadly that is it, it was a very profound experience yeah. to go through it really was but that you know that just sort of ties in with the, the whole series really that god actually comes looking for us in our darkest time we've we've heard this story before in my own story with michael hall's story that you know where we consider ourselves lost he will come and find us and again we we hark back to the story in the new testament as the parable of uh, the shepherd leaving the 99 sheep and going after the one this, this sounds very much again sounds a very very familiar story where you at your darkest time in the ymca pre-ymca oh, pre-ymca pre right. okay this was when i was in my breakdown and i'd had suicide attempts wow it was i'd given up on everything even the possibility that there could be a future the idea wow. of hope was laughable at that point this is just an amazing story obviously i had no idea that you'd gone through this but this is brilliant um so you had these two dreams and then did that help you did it ease the ptsd it was after that that second one yeah that i then stopped the suicide attempts that right. was the reason that i stopped things hadn't got better in life right but it stopped you wanted to end your own life yes i right. literally had a meeting with an angel saying come home yeah you know there was very much a sense of we've got you yeah and sort of looking back on my life i have had all sorts of ups and downs yeah. and close encounters at that point i'd had a few near-death experiences and survived a few suicide attempts it was clear someone was looking out for me yeah i very much wouldn't be here otherwise yeah so you moving back forward again to the ymca um I believe you met John Barford there. Is that would that be yes, right? Yes, yes. So I was meeting with the old chaplain yeah. to discuss and debate, debate theology because yeah. that's something I've always not only been interested in but also firmly believed in. Yeah. That if you have a foundational belief, it should be strong enough to be questioned and challenged. Yeah. That and that sense. the more you question and challenge it, the stronger it grows. Yeah. So I have met a lot of people who will shy away from it mm. as if their belief is some very fragile thing needing to be protected yeah and then the first time a real question gets through they lose everything so for me personally i find intentionally challenging force you to learn and grow 
and that yeah. learning and growing personally also deepens that spiritual connection to God. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. I've known you six months now, and when you first came to church and the community group, you were you were quite a reserved person, very very quiet. Quite, you know, we we've talked about this before that you you were sort of a one word sort of answer of questions, and I've seen miraculous change in you confidence wise I think you've always been articulate but obviously not voiced it so much when you first come to to spend time with us come to our church would you say that that is God doing a work in you healing you no you you said you're not completely healed but I would say God is giving me the strength and the confidence to try and fail Right. He hasn't removed the trauma or anything. Okay. But I've got that confidence that I can go, I can do something, and if I completely fall apart, he's there, he's got me. Right. An example for that would be back in June when we had Love Stortford. Yeah, tell events, me more about that. Red Love, and I ended up doing quite a few events, yeah. which I wasn't expecting to do. I just kind of got swept up in the love, and I really enjoyed it. Explain I, what Love Stortford is for people who wouldn't know. I wouldn't know how to describe it, to be honest. So, it's so Love Stortford is a for people who don't know. Love Stortford is a carnival, basically that goes on for a week. Bishop Stortford, where the people of or the church, the body of the church, for different churches, they come together and they just love Stortford. So they go out into the community and just love on people by doing acts of kindness and generous things. You know, they clean up the town. But at the end of that week, there's a, a street carnival and they oh, have a parade. First day this year. Oh, is it? First day, right. This year was first day parade and then carrying oh, on. Oh, right, okay. I yes. stand corrected. So it was a first day this year and where they have like uh, street floats and parades and people, you know, just walk through the streets and just love it on passers-by standing there in the in the crowds. So what did you do on Love Stortford Day? Oh, sorry, on the on the first day of Love Stortford, the parade day. Oh, before that, I okay. helped build the church floats wow. on the Friday. Okay. And I thought that that was going to be my contribution. Right. And then just by the way things worked out, I ended up walking the parade, which I never imagined I could do okay. in front of thousands, literally thousands of people yeah. handing out sweets and things yeah. to the crowd. And then I did the random acts of kindness afterwards, which right. was going out, just gifting random people in the high street, whether yeah. it was sweets, arts and crafts for the kids, yeah. flowers. And then on the Tuesday, I did the litter picking with the churches to tidy up Stortford. Yeah. And then on the Thursday, I did the free cafe, handing out free tea and coffees to okay. just anyone in the high street. Yeah. Which for someone with anxiety, that's a lot of getting out there. and That is, yeah. And at the time, I absolutely loved it. I got so carried away with it. And then on the Friday after that, I was racked with panic attack after panic attack for days on end. Really? And it was getting to the point where I thought I was going to spiral back down. Yeah. I was going to get back to the old ways. But I didn't. Brilliant. You know, God had me. I had faith in him. Oh, that's key. Mm, that That is the key. Because I feel like, for me, he's working rehabilitation. Yeah. You know, let's see how many steps you can do on your own. And when you do fall, I've got you. I'll pick you back up. And then we'll see how many more steps you can do next time. 
I feel like he's very much working with me to strengthen and empower me rather than simply making me dependent on a crutch, if that right. makes sense. No, that does, I can see that God is, is doing a work in you that, you know, often healing is not instantaneous. Often it, it's a journey. Mm. It's, it's you, for, for myself, you know, I suffer with chronic back problems and I know God is doing a healing in me, but it's, it's not an instantaneous healing for, for whatever reason. But I know that there, this is a process for me. And would you say that that is the same for you? That this is no, a process? Very much. It is a process. As I said, he's working with me. You know, go try. Okay, you fell. I will help you. We'll get you back to your feet. Go try a little harder this time. You're an avid attendee of the Bishop Stortford Community Church. We, you could set your watch by you. You you are very involved in our community now. You come to the church. I see you every Sunday in church, and every Tuesday the Loom Community Group, and now Thursday you're doing Freedom in Christ. Being part of community like this, you know, I can see that you've embraced it. What does it give you? What is being part of one the Loom Group and second the wider Bishop sort for community church um, community what, what what does that do to help you as you move forward I find the community has been fantastic because that was the reason I joined when I first met John Barfoot from as a chaplain in the YMCA from yeah. CCBS he asked do you want to come to the church yeah I said no thank you I've got no interest in organized religion really right okay because I knew John about two years before I ever came to community church. Oh, right. Okay. I didn't know that. Uh, he so helped me get my flat sorted with the furniture and stuff. Such and, a blessing, John. Oh, yes. And even after I left the YMCA, he kept in touch with me. Do you want to do coffee? Do you want to do pizza and a beer? That is so it, it was so It was very giving without asking. Yeah. And that was very inspiring to me. Because I, I grew up in a town where there was a lot of people who would say all the right things, very okay. proud to be Christian. Yeah. And then as soon as it came time for action... Yeah. Mm. And yeah, John, and John, John very much proved yeah, that John that is fruit. a man who's, who can definitely be known by his fruit. That's the, the work he's, he does in our community. He's very faithful, very loving and committed to reaching the lost and reaching out to people. What a fantastic guy. So he stuck by you for two years, and because of because of his faithfulness to you you saw something yeah and i'd obviously heard a lot about the church and yeah. everything and initially i didn't actually go for god i went for that sense of community yeah and that's why i sort of threw myself into it i didn't want to just turn up and start taking sure. i wanted to I be one of those people contributing into the community so how has God how has God met you since you've been part of our community? How has he you know, how has he met you in in the small group, in you know, in within the Bishop Store for community that you're now a part of? How has he touched you since you've been coming to our church and our community groups in the last six months? Is there is there been any development with your relationship? Uh, certainly it definitely has. It's never been more active right as a connection and feeling loved and secure and safe in god well that's fascinating that about really encouraging as well that you know you feel safe and you feel supported 
you've met quite a few people clearly mm-hmm. you know you quite guys I love seeing you guys sitting on the back row together there's a, like a long line of you that you know and it's you know on ch- in church on a Sunday and it's great to see you thriving slowly but surely healing and developing and being the person that God always intended you to be so what do you think the future holds for you where do you think you're honestly I haven't got a clue right and that's okay because I've got a lot of faith in God yeah and I trust he's put opportunities in my path before yeah some of them I've seized some of them I didn't seize and then regret so I'm keeping an open heart open mind Amazing, but um, you're going in the right direction now. Yeah, I 100% believe Stortford's home to me. Wow, that's excellent. Growing up, I survived in a house. I left where because it never felt like home. I enjoyed Chelmsford, but it never felt like home. Stortford is home. What would you say to anybody listening that has suffered, is, is or has suffered with or PTSD, uh, with anxiety? What advice and would you give to those people that are feeling lost, lonely, feeling suicidal? Is there anything you'd like to say to to people who may be listening to this? I think the first thing is acceptance. Because when I first had my diagnosis in hospital after my first suicide attempt, I spent almost two hours crying to a therapist going through it all. And they were like, yeah, this is PTSD. And I said, no, can't be. I've never been to war. How could it be? How could I have PTSD? It took me a good year or so before I was even willing to accept the possibility that I had PTSD. So that healing didn't even start right away. I had to first accept it before I was ready to start. Second hardest thing was accepting it's a marathon, not a sprint. Okay. It's not a case of take this pill, you're done. Go to a therapy session, you're done. It is a process of healing and learning and growing. Right. And it can be very, very frustrating. I say I'm eight years in and I'm only just really getting going. Yeah. And I would also say don't rule things out. Medication works wonderfully for some people, terrible for me. Right. Therapy has been great for understanding the mental side of it. Sure community in community church has really helped heal me on an emotional level right that therapy didn't touch but okay. i still needed the things i learned in therapy right i'm with you so taking a multi-sided approach for the spirit therapy for the mind community for the heart taking multiple things that really helps addressing it on multiple levels because from my experience ptsd did affect me on multiple levels I hadn't known all the panic attacks, all the physical symptoms from it as well, and the dark night of the soul spiritual. Yeah. You know, it affected me on every single level. And looking back at it now, as I'm saying, I'm only just realising eight years in, it seems so obvious. If it's hit you on every level, why weren't you targeting it on every level? Sure. You know, I was trying just medication. Why didn't that work? I was trying just therapy. Why didn't? Of course it didn't work. Yeah. If it's hurt me on every level, I need to address it on every level. And that can be very scary. It can be very hard and very difficult. So you do have to be quite brave yeah. to really peer deep into that darkness yeah. on a daily basis. But the only way to get through it 
is by going through it. But you don't have to do it all at once. Right. You don't have to sit there and process everything at once. You can do a bit and then go, okay, I, I need a few days break from this. Yeah. I need time to just lay on the sofa or see friends. And then when you've built up that strength, go back to it and attack it over and over and over. Well, Dudley, I've got to thank you from the bottom of my heart here uh, for sharing your story, sharing your testimony with us. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for being authentic and giving us a window into your to your life and to what you've been through. Father God, we thank you for the work you've been doing in Dudley as well and continue to do in him in this healing process. And we just want to reach out to anybody that's out there listening to this who's got any questions or needs to speak to anybody about this. Thank you for having me.